before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. Where can you get hot takes about ghosts, cryptids, farts, and cats? I don't know. Where? On our podcast, Spoop Hour. Oh, that's right. Each week, we talk about the things that spook us out, and we laugh through our fear. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Spoop Hour, and you can listen to our podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or really anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Feel free to also drop us a line at spoophour at gmail.com. We want to hear about your ghosts. Thanks. Welcome, five listeners. Hello. Hello. I'm, I'm Samantha, and I'm here with Liz. I, my name is Liz. And we're also here with... We have a special guest today. Yeah, my name's Rochelle. <laughs> like, uh, friend, of the pod, friend of and the pod. And resident history buff, Rochelle. They already know you, basically. We talk about you all the time. You might know what episode this is, because we've been complaining about it since the very beginning. Dun, dun, dun. It's an Alcatraz situation. Yeah. We've come to call mysteries that we don't give a shit about Alcatraz situations. <laughs> and this is the ultimate Alcatraz situation because it's Alcatraz. It's, yeah, it's actually Alcatraz. Michelle, how do you feel about Alcatraz as a mystery? I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Are you like us and you just don't give a shit about Alcatraz? I love history. I can find almost anything I enjoy about any topic. This is a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, so how do you feel about being brought onto a podcast? <laughs> Like to talk about a mystery you also don't care about because it, we don't care about it. It started from talking kind of to both of you guys, but also Liz about like you guys don't like some of the war stories and like the love stories and that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. And then they're like, oh, or Alcatraz. I'm like, <laughs> but we, we didn't have a war story one. We have Alcatraz. I'm I sorry. promise, as yeah. as payment for making you talk about Alcatraz, we'll find an episode with some awesome yeah. history in it. So yeah, but I was like, uh, anything yeah, else? That's 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 fun. I really like a jail that was you know open for twenty nine years. That's I mean that's enough to go on. Yeah. It's an island. Yeah, it's an island. Some movies have been shot there. They pretended that the bay was full of sharks. It wasn't. That is totally a lie. I would tell somebody though. Well, there's sharks out there. Don't yeah, you tell all the prisoners. <laughs> they have laser beams on the top of their heads. Like it's man eating sharks. Yes. all over. We give there. them a taste of human blood every sunset. Yeah, why not? <laughs> They're hunting for you. You tell little kids about tooth fairy and other things. You tell prisoners about you know sharks in the bay. Sharks. Yeah, Rochelle, would you visit Alcatraz? Because they give tours. It's like a, a national park now. I would visit it now that I've actually like looked it up. Some, like some of the people that were there, and I was like, okay, that would be fun, but I wouldn't go spend thousands of dollars. You know, it's a, it's a, it's in a national tour. You yeah. Know, you would have to be in San Francisco, and, you're, like, the plans you had fell through. <laughs> yes. And then you go, I guess I'll go to Alcatraz. And it's a nice day, so I might as well be by the water. Sure. You know. Everything would have to, the stars would have to align to get you to go on the Alcatraz tour. You'll probably see a pelican. Yeah, because there, the that alone would be worth it. But, yeah, it is the island of pelicans. It's... Just a really cool little island, but they just put a really shitty place on top. <laughs> yeah, they, it is a shame they, they ruined, ruined a perfectly good perfectly island by good putting island a prison on it. That they don't even use anymore. No. But it's not my favorite one. Like, out of the two, because people always talk about, like, Alcatraz as being the, the rock or the big place where they have all this cool stuff. It's not my favorite. There's one on the East Coast that's, like, by the Keys that was, like, had Fort Jefferson and all this other stuff that has 
the history you wish Alcatraz had. Oh. So, so we, we really we really brought you in for the wrong episode. We did. As the professional. Okay, bye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, and then that would, and then we I'd look at Samantha and be like, I don't want to talk about this. And do you want to? No, I mean, we would just done. end end of the podcast. Bye. No, it, it it has interesting stuff into it. It's just what you know. The, the, intrigue, the, the movie kind of style thing of good things happening, like so many different stuff to pick from. It's not as much as you'd like. Well, Unsolved Mysteries found enough material to do a two-hour episode about oh it. Oh, my God. Live episode. It, it looks yes. like it was so long. It was a little bit painful. Even edited down for time. Robert Stack wore a pretty sweet parka. Yeah, okay. Robert yes. Stack, I'm going to just jump ahead. Thumbs up for outfit. He was dressed like he was on an Arctic excursion. Samantha, How cold was it there that day? You finally get something you've been waiting for. A turtleneck. Yes! yes. <laughs> he has a sweet turtleneck and a pretty awesome gigantic parka over the top. It was, you know, kind of timeless parka, though. That's true. It wasn't, like, neon and, you know. It was a nice blue. Right. Nice shade of blue. It wasn't, like, hilariously 80s. It was a classic man. Yeah. And he had a very nice trench coat, nice black trench coat, so... Let's get that out of the way. Thumbs up for Robert Stack outfits. That's Liz, as much as you want to skip through the entire episode. Yeah. Can yeah. you tell? We no, can't. let's rate it on mysteriousness. <laughs> I was like, oh, what do you know? We're all done. Don't have to talk about Alcatraz anymore. We're done. Ten-minute podcast. That'd be interesting. Well, should we get into it? I guess. So here's what this episode, this 90-minute so shit show, ends up being um, about six sections so they give us the history they talk about two famous figures who were housed at alcatraz then they talk about the escape after that they go through theories and potential evidence one way or another whether or not they made it off or not and then unsolved mysteries does their own investigation they, they clearly thought that was cool it was a mythbuster style investigation that has to have been hot shit at that time they had a yeah. fucking it was still kind of cool but it was kind of cool like when <laughs> Mythbusters would do it decades later. So the fact that they're like, no, we're prime time. We're investigating. Like, yeah. They were a bit ahead of their time, I would say. And it was quite the production. We'll get to it. But there was a blimp. Yeah. And yeah, a bunch of giant boats. Yeah. And Robert said clearly not wanting to get on a boat. Because yeah. he was like still up at the prison. Like, <laughs> see you there, some other woman. Yep. Yeah. Why would, uh, he doesn't want to mess up his hair. It's <laughs> true. Exquisite. He doesn't want salt water on it. Are you insane? That's true. That's His true. clothes were worth preserving. That's true. So, Robert Stack opens this episode by saying, Alcatraz, The Rock. For over 29 <laughs> years, the nation's most notorious prison, a home for such master criminals as Al Capone, Machine Gun Kelly, and its bird man, Robert Stroud. Alcatraz stands in the middle of San Francisco's icy cold bay, a treacherous Shark-free bay. That was the best guarantee that nobody would successfully escape, and nobody did until June 11th, 1962. On that night, three men broke out of their cells and vanished into the waves on a homemade raft. John Anglin, his brother Clarence, and Frank Morris, the brilliant mastermind of the escape, were never seen again. Ten days later, authorities discovered pieces of the raft. It had broken up at sea. The three convicts appeared to have swum for it. Did they make it? The debate continues. It literally does, because we're talking about it right now. It sure does. Robert Stack foresaw the future, where the debate would continue on this very podcast. Robert Stack understands the mysteries. Well, doesn't Robert Stack, like, listen to this? Listen yeah. to this podcast from heaven? Is that what you're going to yeah, say? He, he did He, he did give us a five-star iTunes If you look on iTunes, you'll see that he's been listening. 
I'm not saying that Robert Stack is taking requests for iTunes reviews. <laughs> I wouldn't know what he's listening to in heaven. But I am saying if, if maybe you drop us a five-star review and then give us your name of your podcast, then maybe Robert Stack will give it a listen. I don't know what he's going to do, but... It's just a theory. It could happen. Maybe. It's a mystery. So opening the show, they interview a couple people, or a couple people are on camera... Saying things, including Philip Bergen, captain of the guards from 1946 to 1955. He says if they went into the water with primitive flotation equipment, they would have drowned within 30 minutes. They would have succumbed to hypothermia and drowned. Um, Leon Whitey Thompson, a former inmate at Alcatraz, said I'd stake my life on it. Their bones are out there. And then bones are out there. Whitey had some good one-liners in this episode. Whitey would be the guy you're like, you're the creepy guy at the bar, but tell me your stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah Whitey, for sure. And all of his stories are 100 percent bullshit. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, but that's you're why you buy him a drink. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> to hear, to drink, to hear that bullshit. Going. Entertaining, but bullshit. Patrick Mahoney, who is captain of the Alcatraz launch, said, I felt that they didn't make it, but I thought we'd find a body. We never found a body. And then Crazy Don Denevi, author and teacher, says, I think they made it. If you call the Bureau of Prisons today, they will tell you that no one escaped from Alcatraz. Yeah, that guy had quite a look. That guy (laughs) was a character? Oh, yes. We'll get more into what he talked about later. But yeah, yeah. Did you ever like take an egg for Easter and decorate it to look like a face? (laughs) (laughs) I'm bringing up that question for no reason. (laughs) Not because are you saying that's what Don's head looks like? Maybe. Maybe. If you would have taken that egg and then put two cotton balls on either, each side to re- to represent his hair and some googly eye glasses, yeah, that's yeah. that's this guy. I wrote down. Turns out a lot of white guys have opinions about this. <laughs> yeah, there's one hundred opposed to us not giving a shit. These people were like, no, they lived or definitely they died in I, the icy deep. I do like there was a nice super generalized statement. No, this had to happen in 30 minutes. Are you this medical? Ex- <laughs> nope, this is my statement. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Oh, They'd be dead. okay. Yeah, that's. Unlike this episode of Unsolved Mysteries, it goes on for 90 minutes. Uh, they would have been dead long before we get to the. I realized when I was watching this, I, was, I must have just like turned. Like, I think they said 90 minutes, and I was like, next episode. I don't think I even watched it. I watched this episode with my fiance Travis because he and I should have thought to ask him his theories about Alcatraz because he's watched several documentaries. Being a, the white guy that he is, apparently they all love this shit. And <laughs> that's he, just a theory that we have, but yeah, I believe he thinks that they made it, but I don't remember why. I think I just zoned out the entire time we were watching this the first time. So it's just you I mean, could take a nap. There's so many more important things you could do with that night. <laughs> We should have come up with a list of better things to do besides watch this episode. We can brainstorm as we talk. Well, even like the Amazon edited version, it's, I think, maybe an hour cutting out all the like superfluous live action. Commercials or whatever they did. But you're also like, it feels like 90 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, it was a long hour. I think I I took a little break. It's like, I, I need to go get some snacks and move around. I have a couple of LaCroix. I swear I've been watching this for days. Oh my god, I know. So next they talk about the history of Alcatraz. So that, this was actually, I thought, the most interesting part. So yeah. it was a lot of things before it was Alcatraz. In this 
Unsolved Mysteries episode, they pretty much just talk about it from when it became a federal prison because it was acquired by the United States Department of Justice on October 12th, 1933 and became a federal prison on August ni- in August 1934. Um, it was designed to hold prisoners who continuously caused trouble at other federal prisons. At 9.40 a.m. on August 11th, 1934, the first batch of 137 prisoners arrived at Alcatraz, arriving by railroad from the United States Penitentiary in Leavenworth, Kansas. Um, Before being escorted to Alcatraz, they were handcuffed and put into high-security coaches and guarded by some 60 special FBI agents, U.S. Marshals, and railway security officers. Yeah, and they brought that up in the episode. They literally... Just bring the whole train car, train car in there because they didn't trust them to. That's crazy to get out anywhere. Yeah, these were some. They seems like some bad dudes, I guess. Well, it's, it's a lot of good people from Leavenworth. Leavenworth is where, mm-hmm. like Panzeram, there's big names that were criminals at the time that usually would end up at Leavenworth. So if they're taking them from Leavenworth and bringing them to Alcatraz, they did not want these guys it's getting out. I can't remember who one person had stolen sixteen dollars. Yeah, it was, a, a, it was a mix. From a, from a building that had a post office, and he got 25 years. And ended up at Alcatraz. And ended up at Alcatraz. Well, and then a couple of the people we talked about, they got trying to hold people up in it with a fake gun. That's how they ended up and got into more trouble. While I was like, if you stole $16 and, and got 25 years, I hope you escape. That's bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is bullshit. <laughs> if you're good enough to escape. Yeah. So most of the prisoners were notorious bank robbers and murderers. The prison initially had staff of 155, including the first warden, James A. Johnson, and associate warden, J.E. Shuttleworth. Both considered to be iron men, the staff were highly trained in security, but not in rehabilitation. They were, like, one of iron the guards. So in the episode, they said that one of the first wardens in- issued, like, a no talking rule for two years. Like oh, none of the yeah. prisoners were allowed to talk to each other. So he's the worst vice principal ever. Pretty yeah. much. So okay. I think these guys were just hard asses. They did say something about for a while, solitary confinement was nude, which yeah, that's I, bizarro yeah, you, you and terrible. Solitary confinement. And if you're even more of a pain to them, yeah, they would take, you'd be nude and they'd also take your bedding. So you're literally in a what? room with no light. Yeah. At one point, that's like a, In the episode, Robert Stack was in front of one of the solitary rooms and told us that the cell included a 200-pound door that blocked out all of the light. And he also says that if a convict was particularly troublesome, his bed, clothes, and blankets would be confiscated and he'd have to endure the experience naked. Well, I hope you learned your lesson for stealing $16. I know. It sounds awful. (laughs) Sleep nude in the dark by yourself. Just on a concrete floor. Yeah. It's barbaric. Well, because it makes it sound like, at least in the past, that um, it was either, well, the past, when this happened, it was either big name criminals or just local people that got picked up. Yeah. There was no in between. It wasn't like minimum, like there was some minimum security people that just ended up there due to like... That's right. So yeah. you, you couldn't even have birds there. <laughs> Bullshit. As we learn. During the 29 years it was in use, the prison held some of the most notorious criminals in American history, such as Al Capone, Robert Franklin Stroud, or the Birdman of Alcatraz, George Machine Gun Kelly, Bumpy Thompson, Raphael Miranda, Mickey Cohen, and Elvin oh. Creepy Carpus. Yes. Elvin yes. Creepy Carpus. Who served more time at Alcatraz than any other inmate. It also provided housing for the Bureau of Prison staff and for their families. Oh. So, yeah, so there's kids taking boats, taking a boat to go to school. At from Alcatraz? Al- from Alcatraz. They'd take a boat. Oh, they leave, leave at Alcatraz. There's a school there. They would take a boat 
to get onto the land to then go to school and then go back onto Alcatraz. What a horrible place to grow up I, as a child. Alcatraz? Can we find one of those people and interview them? That's See, that's fascinating. They should have included more about that. Just yeah, your, I have like, no idea. childhood at Alcatraz. What was that like? Oh, my God. Feeding around the, pelicans. Yeah, feeding pelicans around the prisoners who couldn't talk. I, I need to talk to these people. Please, please find, them find us. Yes. Find us, people who are children. I'm sure they're address. listening to this podcast. Uh, it's that everyone listens to this That's podcast. That's a good point. I, I will say the one really positive about this uh, episode is because the people that were in part of the investigation were still alive when they recorded it. So you get to... That's true. It was pretty cool. They had prison guards who were working there when they escaped and, you know, former inmates, at least one whitey. The one lady slash secretary that I'm like, yes, you're awesome. Yeah, there were some pretty awesome people in this episode. During its 29 years of operation, the penitentiary claimed that no prisoner successfully escaped. A total of 36 prisoners made 14 escape attempts, two men trying twice. 23 were caught alive, six were shot and killed during their escape, two drowned, and five are listed listed as missing and presumed drowned. The most violent occurred on May 2, 1946, when a failed escape attempt by six prisoners led to the Battle of Alcatraz, which I think they talked about in the episode, because one of the people who helped um, Clarence... I something clearly was not listening. So there was a really bloody escape attempt in which several guards were killed and murdered by prisoners. Yeah, and there was a hostage situation over a couple days. Yeah, I think that's what they're calling the Battle of Alcatraz. I think almost everyone who was involved got sent to, sentenced to death, except for this Clarence guy who hel- ended up helping with the escape. We really only ever hear about the one escape, but there was lots of others. I learned that Al Capone went crazy from syphilis. I know. That's I didn't what we're going to talk about next. So, so Unsolved Mysteries talks about two of the most famous, um, it kind of profiles two of the most famous prisoners. And the first one was Al Capone. All other prisons, Al Capone was able to bribe staff for special privileges, including carpeted cells, smoking jackets, and a ticker tape machine to help him keep track of his investments. <laughs> he was living big. Could you imagine? cells and smoking jackets. I just like that that was his priorities. Where he's like, I gotta bribe these guards. You know what I need? Smoking jacket. Can't smoke well, without it. It's also one of, like when I was a kid, I watched Goodfellas where they have like, oh, the criminals are making their Italian food by themselves in their own thing. I'm like, that's just exact. No, no, it's not exaggeration. If you had enough money and enough connections, you can make your you own can- food in prison. Oh no, I'm in prison in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Awesome. That's, that's a nice way to go. But yeah, like Al Capone didn't like, I like he found out, I don't know if he found out there, but they told him like, you have syphilis. And he's like, I don't believe you. And he's like, um, well, he you paid, do. Here's your medication. He paid other prisoners to take his medication, mm-hmm. which, and how does that help anything? It Well, it doesn't because after a few <laughs> years, the guards started noticing that Capone's brain was suffering the effects of the disease. He would slur his speech and occasionally put his clothes on backwards. Syphilis slowly eats your brain if you do not get it medically checked into. So how did they allow him to do this for years until he just died of it? Well, he shouldn't have been paying and then what happened to the prisoners that are taking syphilis medication they don't need? Isn't it just like antibiotics? I don't I, know. I have no idea. It's also the thing of like, couldn't they just take it and ground it and put it away? Why did he have to have someone else take it? <laughs> yeah, how does that help? Place? You swallow this. It'll be gone. I won't just put it in the toilet. 
Where, so or just throw it away in my carpeted cell. Would anyone care? Well, he didn't. Or just smoking jackets. Out. Well, at Alcatraz, he didn't get those privileges. Robert oh. Stack tells us that at Alcatraz, Capone endured the same Spartan conditions as everyone else. He worked in the prison's laundry facility, folding military and prison clothes for seven cents an hour. Two things. Yay, equality of him having to be just a <laughs> regular president. Equality. Yeah, yay, equality. And two, first time I hear guys having to do laundry. <laughs> oh. I don't even know that he did the laundry. They just said he folded the laundry. Well, but he got paid to do a job. That's it was true. His first legitimate job. I know Robert Stack made a big deal hour. about how it was. They tamed Al Capone. It was his first legitimate he job. He was also syphilis ridden and in jail already. So it wasn't like they broke him. He was just there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that he was tamed, but uh, whatever. Also, he Robert was Stack. losing his mind. Yeah, additionally, other inmates treated him very badly. Frank Henley, a former prison officer, says that they were jealous of his millions of dollars, which maybe they were, I don't know. Dude, I'm jealous now, so. Well, yeah. Let's talk Didn't about do him a lot of good, really. Once He was once <laughs> stabbed in the prison's barbershop, according to this guy. He really didn't like his hair. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I don't know. The phone cut his hair, and he's like, you bastard. Yeah. yeah. Look at these mutton chops. (laughs) I do not want a mullet. What are you giving me? (laughs) So eventually Capone was completely disabled by syphilis and he died January 25th, 1947, eight years after his release from Alcatraz. Yeah. Why was he released? I think he just served a sentence. He served time because there was tax evasion. It wasn't for any oh, murders or anything else. Um, The one thing I remember uh, from one of the shows I actually watch on TV, Drunk History, I he love was that show. so gone at the point, like he was trying to fish in his private pool. <laughs> like really? he would get a like a, you know, he would try to fish. He's like, I'm fishing, and they're like, Oh, it's a joke. No, he doesn't <laughs> think it's a joke. He's he thinks legit. he's really fishing in his pool. Yeah, thinking all oh, the fishes are gonna come in the chlorinated pool I have. <laughs> so yeah, he was uh, a little bit gone towards the end. Yeah, it sounds like it. Also, drunk history. We should be drunk doing this right now. I mean, we're a little hungover. Well, yeah, we had a bit of a party last night. <laughs> Does that count? In which we exchanged gifts in our secret Santa, and Rochelle had my name and got me Jazz Loon. <laughs> yes, Yay! actually, everyone needs to know that now Samantha has a physical, actual copy of Jazz Loon, of Jazz Loon which we also played at our party. Yeah, Jazz Loon and Jazz Wolf was pretty much playing in the background of the party the whole night. I, I would say the best is the reactions of the people that had no idea of the context of that. So I, I like, why yeah. are we playing the weirdest shit we're, I've ever heard? We were just like, it's Jazz Loon. I assumed everyone yeah. in the group knew it. I don't know why. But You're like, uh, you don't listen to our podcast. You don't l- listen to, you are. You don't listen to Kenny G plus a loon going off every seven seconds? <laughs> Several people were like, what is this? <laughs> we're like, uh, Jazz Wolf. You're being serenaded by the musical stylings of loons no, set to smooth jazz. The fusion of human and animals <laughs> making music together. You don't understand the awesomeness? Yeah. yeah. Like, they, well, everyone did by the end of the evening. But. I mean, yeah, whether they knew the context or not, they came to love both the jazz loon and the jazz wolf, the oh. artistic masters that they are. Yeah, truly. <laughs> side, side a little there. side combo. There's probably going to be more of those. So next we detail Robert Stroud, who is known as the Birdman of Alcatraz. He served a life sentence for two murder convictions. Stroud spent two years in solitary confinement in Leavenworth, where he studied birds and wrote two books about their diseases. 
What a fun hobby that would be. Yeah, but he wasn't allowed to do that when he was at Alcatraz. No. So he's no. the Birdman of Leavenworth. Do you, did, he, did he really have that many birds at Leavenworth? He, I believe he had Did, a he, did he catch them? How did he get them? I know nothing. I really have, know nothing about this. Did you name keeping and like, yeah, there's a Burt Lancaster movie that it's based, that's based on it and... I mean, I know some prisons allow prisoners still today to have pets. They have cats and dogs. Or to care for something to then, like, yeah. So they were a little bit ahead of their time, I guess, letting this guy have birds. Yeah, but they essentially did the bird man of Alcatraz because it sounded cooler. Yeah, than the bird man of Leavenworth. Yeah. Because everybody's heard of Alcatraz. Yeah, well, Robert Sack actually says that. He says that the Birdman of Alcatraz had a catchier ring than the Birdman of Leavenworth. I was just impressed that he had managed to make booze out of birdseed. Yeah, the reason yeah. he got transferred to Alcatraz was because he was caught distilling birdseed into grain alcohol and Hell several yeah. other offenses. I, I'm impressed, but I'm also not surprised because these are, these are the guys that were there during Prohibition. So they were the guys that knew how to make... Oh, totally. Right. They're like moldy old carrots. Yep, I can make booze out of that. Or like, hey, or yep. I, I have a tub. Let's make some. Let's make some moonshine. Let's make this happen. Uh huh. Would well, you drink some moonshine that was made in a bathtub and stirred with a big wooden spoon? No, no. <laughs> My answer is I don't want to go blind or have a Jimmy leg or all the other things from one of those books we've read like a couple months ago. What book was that? Was that the Poison book? The Poisoner's, the Poisoner's, Poisoner's Handbook hand by I can't remember the author. We read that. Somebody awesome. Don't worry about it. It's a really good book, and part of it they talk about. A lot of it really is about prohibition and people poisoning themselves on homemade alcohol. Or, or trying to use, like, rubbing alcohol and realizing that's not the same alcohol in there and it's going to make you go blind. Yeah, or give you that weird leg thing. Jimmy leg thing, which I didn't realize was then kind of like a weird action that they ended up using in in cartoons later on. It has some racist origins as well. I don't really remember, but uh, moral of the story is know what you're doing if you're making homemade alcohol. Prohibition, a lot of people learned how to make alcohol because there was no other option. Right. A friend of one of mine once made alcohol out of pine needles. Really? And I drank it. What did it taste like? Pine Uh, pine needles? Kind of bitter. Gross. Like really bad gin. Oh, why would you want to do that? Just because just you can. I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a good answer to that question. Peer pressure and it was alcohol. I guess. Oh no, I wanted to taste it because she well, made I would it herself. Taste it. Yeah, I just don't know but... why you would make it in the first place. Yeah, just I don't know. Because you can. I yeah. Guess. So Al Bloomquist. <laughs> in case everything goes down, you're the person that knows how to make alcohol. <laughs> well, gather, gather the pine needles. Folks. <laughs> you never know. It could be prohibition number two. Uh, in some yeah. capacity, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's coming. Al Bloomquist, former prison officer, describes Stroud as surly, quiet, quiet, and morose. He did very little talking. Very few of the inmates talked to him, and most of them didn't even like him. Frank Henley comes Sick back. burn. Yeah, he's kind of <laughs> nobody's friend. He was, he was kind of a dick. He no sounded like a him. surly guy. Like I don't, I don't think he really wanted the to get along with people. The birds were his friends, and they took away his birds. So what did he have to I mean, live it's for? It's kind of his fault. He had a good thing going, and then he decided to use the bird seed to make alcohol. Oh, it was so tempting, just sitting yeah. there being grain, <laughs> not being alcohol, <laughs> not being yeah. alcohol, Henley? having access to it. Come on now. Henley says that Stroud was a very intelligent man with only a third grade education. He could read and write in about three or four languages, but he was also psychotic, very <laughs> demented, and at most times was difficult to get along with. I don't know why I just burst out that. The total way you just said, but he was also psychotic. <laughs> yeah. Side note. Side note. Before you become friends with the Birdman of Alcatraz, 
He is psychotic. Yeah. So he's like Moriarty from Sherlock Holmes. Potentially. Yeah. yeah. Just say You say that about everyone, Rochelle. Uh, yeah, everyone <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. I can find a way to tie it to anything. <laughs> Batman, I can tell you why it's Sherlock Holmes. If, if only that's what this episode was about. Yeah. Have you considered doing a podcast about Sherlock Holmes? No. <laughs> Why not? You should. Listen, podcasting is not hard. Yeah, we can, really we can do it. <laughs> These suckers are listening to this right now. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, man. We'll see. Keep it, keep it in mind. So Frank Henley had a lot of odd habits, or Frank Henley says that Stroud had a lot of odd habits. He would often walk around his in his cell quite naked, according to Henley, and shave every hair off his body. And these are some of the reasons that he was different from other inmates. That's totally a power move, by the way. Walking around naked? Sure. Yeah. It's, I suppose. One, he's in a cell, so it's not like anyone's going to beat him up for doing it. He's, he's just being like, I can do this. I don't know if it's for the other prisoners or for the guards. To just like, to make them uncomfortable. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Just to offset them or a little bit more. to prepare for when he's in solitary confinement and they take his clothes away anyway. Because yeah, Robert Stack said that they wouldn't allow them to take cold showers because they were afraid that they would acclimate themselves to cold water. So maybe they just walked around naked to acclimate themselves. Yeah. Or he was just a nudist. Or maybe yeah. he was just losing his mind. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait till we get to that episode of Unsolved Mysteries. The nudist colony? Yes. I think that's in the next season, isn't it? I know. And I wish we were doing that one right now. I know. <laughs> There's a l- the reenactments in that one. Although the reenactments in this episode are Actually, pretty good. solid reenactments. The pro- I will say the production value on this episode is, is good. They clearly went all out. We're giving it yeah. shit because we don't care about Alcatraz as a story, but... It's well done. Yeah, I would say. So now we're getting to the escape. Dun, dun, dun. Which is the biggest chunk of this episode. So Denevi, Don Denevi, Egghead, comes back and he... <laughs> so Denevi co-wrote a manuscript with Clarence Carnes, who is who I mentioned before, who had participated in that previous escape. The, escape from Alcatraz. Yeah, the Battle of Alcatraz or whatever. He was sentenced to life for the murders where his co-conspirators got death. And he ended up being a co-conspirator in the famous escape. And he was later convinced that the three made it safely to shore and successfully escaped. Karns passed away a year before the Unsolved Mysteries episode, but Denevi um, is on the show to say that he shares Karns' be- belief that the, the three escaped. He really has nothing to go off of it. He says, these guys made it. They made it because Clarence said they did, and I trust that. Yeah, well, that doesn't convince me at all. I didn't know yeah. Clarence. Yeah, well, this is the thing that I wrote down about this guy, is that he seems like the classic conspiracy theorist, where every yeah. piece of evidence, whether it's positive or negative, points to his being right like he says that the bureau of prisons says that no one escaped alcatraz well why would they admit that and it's like dude this doesn't prove anything it does not like prison the prison closed a year later so it wasn't like oh my gosh they had a huge persona you know an ego thing for for keeping alcatraz as it was it was on the decline anyway they had no reason to lie about these guys escaping or not yeah and also he's like well they said no one but they were people that escaped, and there's, like, what, five or six people that are still declared missing but presumed drowned right. from the escape attempts. So, so technically, like, no one has escaped. If you're presuming that these guys are dead, then, yeah, you're going to say no one's also, escaped. Also, who calls the Bureau of Prisons and is like, hey, who, how many people escaped from Alcatraz? Listen, Don has called the Bureau of Prisons several times. <laughs> and he keeps getting annoyed, the same answer. And has annoyed just... Carol, who answers the phone every time. <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah. That, you know, Carol great. is a saint. She's answering the yeah. phone like, yes, Don. Yes, yes Don. Don. I have the same answer for you. Same answer as yesterday and every day before that. No one has escaped. Not going to change. No one has escaped from Alcatraz. Show somebody to prove or something. No. Okay. Yeah, just the fact that Clarence, your BFF, thought that they escaped and lived doesn't mean that it's true. Mm-hmm. And also Clarence, he's trying to make his story sound good. Yeah. And that's assuming that he told you the truth in the first place. Well, yeah, he's trying to conflate the fact that he was involved in this huge story. And he was in prison still. But he was like involved it, in two stories, but still not the main character in either. Of right. Them. So I think he was trying to make himself seem more important than he and was. And also sell some books. Also that. It's not a great book if it's like, and then they drowned. We all also yeah. know that this was before the Son of Sam laws, right? Where you couldn't profit oh, off of yeah. your crimes if you were in prison. So maybe he was planning on getting some money off this. Anyway, um, Clarence was a popular inmate because he had access to a lot of resources since he worked in the prison library. He was invited to participate in the escape, but he was under so much scrutiny from the guards that he declined. Apparently they would do shakedowns, and they would often shake down his cell more than others. Here's because the easiest one to... He was the easiest yeah. one to target. I like that they let him still have that job, yeah. but they were very suspicious of him. Like, they let him work in the prison library. We know you're like, shady. And we'll we keep shaking you. I was like, just hire someone to do it. Like, why, yeah. why let a prisoner do it then if you're worried about that being used for communication? The inmates seemed like they got a lot of freedom. Yeah, I was actually not very impressed. The more that we learned about the security at Alcatraz and how this escape happened, I was like, how did more escapes not happen? I think it's very much falls in, like, Alcatraz kind of has persona of kind of like, oh, it's impenetrable. Kind of like the Titanic was unsinkable. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. They probably thought, well, we're surrounded by essentially the world's biggest moat. Yeah. No one's going to escape. Which we keep telling people is full of sharks. Yeah, but to have tons of cement, like... No one can get out here. It's kind of crappy, you know, any time to try to get here on boats. So we're good. Yeah. So we'll just let prisoners hang out blankets so we can't see what they're doing and hang out in there for months. Well, and the, the other thing that they said was that they assumed that no one would be able to get out. So the outside of the prison, like, wasn't monitored at all. Yeah, it wasn't monitored at all. There wasn't, like, they didn't upkeep or add on to any of the stuff since when they made like uh, made it an official prison in the 30s. And the thing that I always interesting, because uh, prisoners could see that there was cracks and stuff starting to happen in the walls. They knew oh. wear and tear from, like... So if the guards are starting to notice, obviously the prisoners that are spending 23 hours a day in prison cells Just are noticing... Just staring, thinking like, about ways to get out. Well, <laughs> yeah, but, like, the... Cement blocks aren't, like, shattering, but they can see, like, hey, there's cracks, like, where the weaknesses are starting to form. Sure, sure. There's a reason why in 63, even, I think, even regardless of this huge escape, why Alcatraz got closed. Yeah, it was deteriorating. So another guy, Alan West, was a close friend of friend of Clarence Carnes, he was assigned to paint the top-tier roof of the prison and the ceiling of the cell block. One day while he was working, he discovered a way to access the roof of the prison through a ventilation shaft. There were crossbars in the ceiling that you could not cut through, but if you cut the ventilation duct and shoved it up and out, you would easily be able to create a large hole big enough to fit a person through. So, yeah, so instead of working on the... Just like just take the whole little circle out, pop yeah, it out. Yeah, pop it out, good. and then you got a little manhole to get out. Uh, West began planning his escape. He enlisted the help of the Anglin brothers, who had been at the prison for one and a half years and had a history of escapes from other prisons. Denevi tells us that the Anglins were expert raftsmen because they grew up in the Florida swamps. They knew how to construct rafts and negotiate currents. 
Are there a lot of San Francisco Bay style currents, currents in the Florida swamps? No. <laughs> also, back then, there weren't a ton of swimming pools. It was like swimming holes. You weren't like professional swimming. It was literally you knew how to float and not drown. So the the Florida swamps aren't like an ocean bay, <laughs> they're, and they're also not like Olympic style areas that you can just train swimming. Right? Yeah. No. Wow. So we shouldn't like conflate. The, Florida's Badland Swamps to the San Francisco <laughs> Bay. They were, they were great swimmers. And they okay. were great rafters. Okay, sure. Don't Don. besmirch them. Not general <laughs> statements at all. They're you know, not yeah. biased. No. So then we get Frank Morris, who prison records say had an IQ of 133. His cell was next to West's, and he was brought into the plot because of how smart and charming he was. Hmm. So That's a... Flattering for him. Yeah. Why? Are you, hey, why are you guys letting me in on this? Because you're so smart and charming. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's exactly. I'm gonna be like, hey, you have ideas, or this might work. Okay. But like, we just we just want you on our team. <laughs> you're just fun to be around. We're all the lunch and like mess hall for having lunch. They held hands I'm, and skipped off into the sunset. Yeah, I just want. I just want to eat my orange next to you. It's really fun. <laughs> I'm sure that's how it went. Uh, so they found a way out of the prison through the roof, but they needed a way to get up there. Fortunately, Clarence Carnes had attempted to escape once before in the Battle of Alcatraz and knew that there was a utility corridor that ran the length and height of the cell block. The corridor contained heat and water pipes that could be climbed like a makeshift ladder. So, not a great plan, Alcatraz. Yeah, no, not exactly. Climb and hopefully make it. So Carnes was responsible for delivering books to inmates because he worked in the library. So he was able to pass information from person to person. And also in the early part of each evening, there was a music hour in which anyone with a string instrument could play deafening music. <laughs> this is that where Creepy allow... Carpus shows up. Oh, really? I know because of Creepy Carpus, because we all went to the Landmark Center here yeah. in St. Paul. He was arrested in Minneapolis, St. Paul. He's the guy that ended up training Charlie Manson and some other people, but Charlie Manson is the most known for playing the guitar, which he did his own thing with, but he was... <laughs> he went on to bigger and better things. things. Um, <laughs> not, Wait, so he tra- taught Charlie Manson how to play the guitar? Yeah. So if is he that why the, he's creepy? No, he's creepy for other reasons. Um, <laughs> he was from Canada, but he got arrested here, so yay, Minnesota tie-in but no he was but he played the guitar and pretty much anyone that could play an instrument could play an instrument during that hour that was the only time you could play it and you were actually allowed access to music which kind of ties into later with right the squeeze box well it seems like everyone in the prison would play these instruments and none of the guards could hear anything so then these three were like using that time to chisel their way out of their cells yeah so any way to put creepy so thanks creepy carpet i like that there was a time when they couldn't even talk but then later they were like no you can have music hour i don't yeah you can't talk at all so bill long who i wrote down mvm question mark who was the lieutenant on morning watch do you remember this guy he had a big white beard that curled Mm. up you could tell it had some mustache wax in it it was sort of like a see i didn't have him because he he has a beard but he does have a beard, but his mustache was kind of like a Colonel Sanders. That's true. He should probably win. I didn't. All the other mustaches were kind of cop mustaches. Yeah. What did you think of the mustaches, Rochelle? They were disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I had nominated the rafters that, that do the reenactment. Because, oh, okay. Because two out of the three of them had a mustache. <laughs> it was to keep their lips warm. If only it had been all three of them. But, a trifecta of yeah. mustaches. 
That would have been great. Three beards would totally that would've, work. Would've, yeah. Well, we know Liz doesn't like a beard. She wants a standalone no, mustache. It's just not, then it's not a mustache. But this guy with it's his still wax. still a mustache. It's <laughs> just silent. additional things, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. We have different ideas of <laughs> what, of what constitutes co- a mustache. <laughs> we come from different face? philosophical backgrounds when it comes to mustache That's appreciation. True. Well, Bill slash Colonel Sanders <laughs> doesn't seem like he's super bright. He said that you expect, <laughs> you expect people to escape out the front. It never occurred to me that someone would escape out the back corridor. Like, oh you were God. expecting people just to walk. Yeah. Past you? Just stroll out of the prison? Of what? course they escape out the back. No, it's, it seemed like this guy was expecting... I, I, Literally, I the prisoners would go, oh, excuse me, sir, we are escaping, and then they would... Could you please follow through so I could go around <laughs> you? Walk, around, walk out the front door? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I never would have expected them occurred, to sneak out the it back. It never occurred to me that these prisoners we specifically put here, because they've escaped from other prisons, would try to escape... In what? a sneaky way. What? Yeah, they're also in their prison prison Actually, cell for okay. 23 hours I, a day. Yeah, and they've got, like, nothing else to do except think about how to mm-hmm. give you the finger and escape at the same time. Um, I think that he should win MVM, not just for the mustache, but for being such a dullard. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so between headcounts, because there were frequent headcounts, West and Morris dug out the back of their cell. West also made false ventilation materials to hide the holes that they were creating. I thought that was pretty yeah, clever. Was pretty this is like clever. a very caper, yeah. like true life, this is an actual caper mm-hmm. kind of thing with it. Well, at one so Carnes in his manuscript that he that Don helped him write says that the flaw in previous escaped attempts had been too little planning and too much haste, which I think is a good point. Sure, because they spent nine months planning this escape. Well, I know, like I know there was the bigger the escape from Alcatraz, the bigger like uh, hostage situation in the forties, and then this one in the sixty two, but I always thought that the big one was farther back. So yeah. like, oh yeah, 62. I'm like, my mom was born by then. Okay. Right, right. It's, it's not, not that, that long, long ago. ago. So because of the frequent head counts, Robert Stack says that they devised a brilliant plan. They made dummy heads. This was adorable. Because the lights were turned they down were low, crafting. it was yeah. difficult for the guards to distinguish between fake heads and real heads. So. I mean, was it? Because they weren't that good. No. <laughs> Better than I could make, but yeah, still like not believable. <laughs> they just look like creepy puppets almost they did look pretty creepy so whitey thompson comes in and claims that morris asked him how to mix flesh-toned paint because he is an artist and did a lot of oil painting in alcatraz he also claims that he he put two and two together and figured out that they were making dummy heads i don't think that's true maybe it was context clue are finding out afterwards like oh "Oh, yeah that's why he kept asking me about flesh tone i just think that this guy is full of shit he's like oh yeah those three came up to me and were asking about how to make flesh tone because they know my paintings are that good (laughs) maybe maybe he was involved i'm the best painter in alcatraz like good job i think he's just spinning a legend about himself but (laughs) did any of the dummy heads have a mustache if so that's who i want oh my god well they they had real human hair from the barber shop Ew. Which was so gross. So no, gross. even worse, they made sure that they had Sorry. eyebrows and eyelashes. I'm like, please just say you cut like regular hair and made eyelashes. <laughs> That's very specific. They sh- held someone down and, sh- and plucked out their eyelashes for their dummy heads. That's their yeah. worst crime. Probably. That would be awful. <laughs> so the dummies were made from soap, concrete powder, and stolen paint. And then an inmate in the barbershop smuggled them real human hair. To Robert Stack says to make them look more realistic. <laughs> 
Well, or, yarn would work. Or they're also in prison for 23 hours a day. They I mean, have nothing about it to do with right, what else do they get? They have access and to crafting. hair. This is right. their yeah. craft hour. Let them pretend. Well, and this, they literally use these heads. Like, I was under the impression, I think from the first time I watched this, because I wasn't paying attention, that they only used the heads the night they escaped. They used these every night for nine months. <laughs> <laughs> so that they could sneak out of their cells. So this fooled the guards for nine months. Yeah, that's... And that's a good job. At least you know it works rather well. I guess. I would rather than go to Alcatraz. I would like to go to that maritime museum that had one of those heads. Yeah. Yes. And, and I just want to go and laugh at it. So someone made Robert Stack put on gloves to touch these things. Yeah, for once. I wrote. I wrote. Thank God he's actually wearing gloves to touch these museum artifacts instead of ruining evidence. Robert Stack, I will never forgive you. In Robert Stack's defense, that guy who was wrongfully convicted in that case would have been wrongfully convicted with or without the evidence that Robert. Robert Stack destroyed, but but I still am he should have known better. Yeah. Anyway, so Robert Stack takes us to this museum where they have all these artifacts. Um, the convicts made homemade drills out of barbershop shears and part of a vacuum cleaner. Ingenious. It is thought that they used the drill to get through the duct leading to the roof. Very MacGyver of them. Yeah, those were impressive. They, he also shows us the heads of spoons that were used to dig through the cell walls. However, I'm glad someone saved that. That's yeah, weird. They saved all this shit. Well, yeah, they break the heads off the things and they sharpen the sides and make them uh-huh. kind of like... Oh, no, that makes sense. But who saved this so it could go to the museum? Uh, the guards? Uh, Maybe. Really nerdy true crime people that wanted to keep that. Yeah, listen, people like us have been around for ages. <laughs> So the inmates still had the problem of privacy because they needed to create a raft and life jackets and all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> like they had a lot of prop making to do. They had a I, lot I, of work. I swear, aside if they're not working on getting out of their cells, they are crafting. They're making rafts. They're making <laughs> head masks. They're, they did this all without Pinterest too, which is quite impressive. That's what's really impressive. And their limited supplies of being in a prison. Yeah, exactly. So they have to use old barber shop hair and toothpaste. Yeah. So they needed privacy. They needed not to be seen. Fortunately, Alan West devised a solution. West was allowed to hang blankets around where he was working on the roof to prevent debris from falling down over the side. This, this created a handy private so room. So dumb. Well, that was used. The guards were pissed that like it was shit kept falling on them. And he was like, "Do I? Have, well, I could put this here." And they're like. Oh, yeah, sure. Do and that. I could He's like, all right, I'll do that. Put that. I'll just leave. I've been working on this for nine months. Don't mind me. Yeah, he was allowed to have it for months. The guards never went up there to see if they were doing anything shady in this little room. Like, you let them have a room with a door, essentially. <laughs> like, a really shitty door, but a door. Yeah. You can't see and what they're doing. They should have just hired someone not. to paint their roof. It's well, probably is- not something nefarious. Yeah, they're just, he's, he's just really thorough at his job. He's just staying in this one cell. For, don't, don't worry about it. It's yeah, how very, does it take this long to paint anything? Oh, my God. He's very OCD. He has to be there. Just go over it. And then go over it again. It's like the Golden Gate Bridge. It's Starts not like he has all day, down. every day to work on this. Oh, yeah. So the inmates used this privacy to drill out the ventilation shaft and to collect the items they needed for their escape. They would put the dummies on their pillows to avoid the nightly headcount and climb up to the room to work. So they also took turns up in this room assembling the raft. Which they learned how to make from Sports Illustrated. Yeah, what is with... No, Popular Mechanics. Popular Mechanics and Sports Illustrated. One had like some article on how to make a homemade raft. (laughs) I just wrote down... like showed how to make it out of like what... I believe it was what you would use to make it. And then Sports Illustrated had like the best different versions. Oh, okay. Was it like a survival thing? Yes. I, that's what I got the impression. I just wrote down Sports Illustrated used for evil. <laughs> Once I, again. So. Yeah. And I was like, not surprised. I knew it. <laughs> 
<laughs> the fun thing is, got those magazines from the Alcatraz Library. So thanks, Clarence. Yeah. Uh, when the time to escape also, finally arrived. Also, why were there so many raincoats at the? <laughs> oh, uh, I don't actually know this. Oh, I know something. Tell us. Um, because if so, if they had to like pick up and do out, uh, outside activities, they were given raincoats, oh. and a lot of times. Not that they would hoard them, but like, oh, get ripped or whatever else. And they were given out pretty freely from the guards. So people, they, Mistake. they literally just would have their some of their friends that weren't in on it, but were like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll help you. Like, oh, yeah, here's one of my coats. Oh, yeah, here's another coat. They made mention of, like, all the inmates knew that this was going on. And, like, yeah. none of the guards did. So, yeah, I guess that would make sense if they were like, yeah, can we collect some of your raincoats? And people were what? like, sure. It's kind of the prisoner rule of, like, I'm not a part of this, but I'm not going to hinder you in any way. Oh, sure. Way. Yeah, they're not going to narc. No, that that's not surprising to me. And they, they did a reenactment of, like, prisoners passing off raincoats. I was just like, why do they have so many raincoats? <laughs> but that makes sense if they made them, like, do work outside. When it's raining. Yeah. Or just also from, like, the salt water. Like, sure. the rocks and stuff like that. If sure. out there for even just, like, lifting and moving. Like, I know they would have sometimes... Under guard, obviously, but they'd have them like take stuff from the boat, from boats that are delivering stuff and part, bring it in to the prison. That makes sense because yeah, manual shit has labor, to get there, and it's manual labor, it's and this island. is the you know. So when the time to escape finally arrived, they quietly made the routine trip to the private room. Everyone made it to the room except Alan <laughs> West room. to the private room. Alan West had carved his hole out of his room to the point where all he had to do was punch out the other side. Unfortunately, he didn't know that there was an iron bar that was being used to reinforce the masonry, so he wasn't able to get out. The three men left without him. But that's, so, that's got to be a thing. Like, they don't have the blueprints. Nobody knows. So it's like, yeah. you thought this up. Yeah, you're not going. Right. Well, and it kind of sucks for him because this was all his idea, but he had couldn't he make it out. Had he not gone to the private room before? I didn't quite understand. I I believe he's the only one that didn't have finalized. So they were waiting for him because I, yeah, because his was like the most obvious to get looked at, even with the the head and the other stuff, like just for when he was going to get out. It wasn't clear to me if he just never went up there, but maybe, maybe because he was up there all day that he didn't go up there at night. So, okay. Because I think that didn't make sense to me at all. I was like, but they've been working on this. And sneaking out for like nine months. I was confused about that too, but for some reason it sounded like he he didn't go up there okay. after hours. He was also slightly bigger than the other guys, so he probably couldn't just fit through. It wasn't oh, like maybe. It, was, it wasn't the I won't. It just was surprising here. to me that he hadn't tested it before that. I suppose they couldn't have the biggest holes in the back of their room, so maybe right. he, yeah, he didn't routinely use his or something. Or he wasn't, you know, breaking, you know, working on it as hard as the other guys at the same time. Well, don't be a slacker. That's, that's, a moral that's why you story. don't get a drown in the bay. <laughs> so they climbed out of the ventilation shaft onto the roof and then climbed down another shaft over the wall of the prison. Ironically, even though security was higher at this prison than any others, mm. there it was only high on the inside, not the outside. So no one saw the men climb over the prison wall and go down to the water carrying their raft. <laughs> well, when you have a huge moat everywhere, you don't really need. Yeah, you know, I guess they assumed. Of, but you'd assume you at least have somebody looking on the outside once in a while. Yeah, or one of those searchlight things. Yeah. I've, I've watched way too many World War II fake movies of stuff <laughs> that. 
there should be something on the outside. Isn't there like a dude in a tower? You're like, Apparently hey. there wasn't. Feeding pelicans and just like keeping an eye on things. I don't know. Uh, laughing and saying, I could do this with a bird man can't. Listen, yeah. they, di- they didn't notice that there was three dummy heads in a bed f- in beds for nine months. And they thought people were just going to go out the front door. Yeah. Just, so, like, oh, this is what we're working with. We're also like, oh, these guys are just playing with these coats. That's that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Why are they? Why do they have a pile of raincoats? I They're crafting. Uh, Let them be. I won't. I won't look into it. So finally, they still had the issue of inflating the raft. But Frank Morris devised a brilliant plan, according to Robert Stack. This is pretty brilliant. He used a small accordion as a bellows to inflate the raft, and they launched it into the San Francisco Bay. Yeah, because I'm not blowing up that raft. I I mean, yeah, they basically took all the keys off the accordion, and however that works, I don't know. But he got approval to get the accordion. For music hour. For music hour, yeah. It's like, oh, and then it broke. So basically, this is where it ends. They say that it remains a mystery. The water would have been around 50 degrees that night. So there's Yuck. That. Cold. Gross. In the aftermath of the escape, the largest manhunt in U.S. history at the time took place. The authorities believed that the men had been headed for Angel Island. For 42 hours, nothing was found. Then they found a homemade ore floating between Alcatraz and Angel Island. Two days later, a rubber-wrapped packet containing photographs and a money order that belonged to one of the escapees was found... Um, that indicated to them that the men probably didn't make it. They also found a prison raincoat and pieces of the raft about 10 days yeah. later. I, I think the raft broke up. I really do, too. The other thing is that uh, the day after the escape, a Norwegian ship spotted a body floating 20 miles past the Golden Gate Bridge. They were unable to retrieve it, but they described a man that matched Frank Morris, including the prison clothes he was wearing. And see, that makes sense, because out of... You know, the four guys before the one guy could not go with on the little trip. Only the brothers were known as decent swimmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if From it was going to be one of them that didn't make it no matter what, just probably by default, would've... like action movie rules, it'd probably be that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and th- at the beginning of the episode, the one guy who was in charge of the search said we expected to find a body. But then 14 times in this episode, they talked about how strong the currents were, and it goes straight to the ocean. Yeah, I don't... And if you're going to find a body... And someone saw a body. Yeah, so... there was a yeah. body the next day. I they mean, just weren't able to retrieve it's it. It's a little too much of a coincidence. It's not like someone else was reported lost at sea or something, mm-hmm. so... And it, and it wasn't just like, oh, it's a white dude. So, like, no, this was the script. Yeah, okay, that's a correct Very details. specific description. Right, and it's not like, I mean, presumably so, they see bodies floating by every day. Right. Yeah. I would hope not. So the day after these guys escaped into the water, I don't know. The other thing is that they estimated that the earliest the men could have gotten into the water would have been 10.30 p.m. The strong outgoing tide begins at 10 p.m. The FBI believed that they were taken by the currents to the Pacific Ocean. And honestly, that's my theory. I don't know about you guys. What but a nightmare. I know. I remember talking to they Travis once. They should have stayed at Alcatraz and made crafts in their private room. They should have, yes. yeah. That would have been a better time than I've heard one theory, and I feel like this might have been from Travis or some documentary he watched, where they think that they it's possible they might have tied their raft to a boat that was leaving that night. Have you heard this? No. And, like, got a tow or something? I've heard the theory that, like, they had a friend or somebody that... Picked them the up. Picked them, pick them up. Bumpy arranged for them to be picked up, I think. Yeah. That was one of their theories. I think that would just be so hard to arrange. Yeah, I really don't the know. The timing on that? Yeah, but you also got to figure this is all they do. No, I, yeah, but they don't 
Their their yeah, contact it, to the outside world is limited. And also hoping set that up the, the timing contact, of it. And also hoping that the contact actually, actually falls comes through. It was also they made a point of saying it was pitch black. So you would have had to find these people swimming in the pitch black black bay. So there's limited evidence to suggest that they made it. The day after the escape, a man claiming to be John Anglin called a San Francisco lawyer known to represent Alcatraz inmates. The call was transferred to a lawyer named Eugenia McGowan. She says that the man wanted a meeting with the U.S. Marshal. She refused to do it because the man would not tell her why. He hung up and never called back. She was my favorite person. She was great. Yeah, she was so sassy. Yeah, he just told me not to and he just hung up. I was like, fuck you, tell me why. And he just hung up. (laughs) Well, he basically said, tell me why, don't worry about it, just do it. Um, No. No, No, I'm not going to do that. I also don't need to. And then he didn't even say something like, uh, I'm this person, don't you know who I am? No. No. Well, <laughs> she look was at the great. news and then hung up. I'm like, that's that's very much someone read the newspaper and decided. It sounded to call like a prank. Yeah. Why would you ask for a meeting? They're just gonna send you back to prison. Yeah. What are you gonna convince the U.S. Marshals to let you be free? That made no sense. Yeah. No. No. So I don't believe that story. But she was a sassy Miguel, and I I loved. Her, she was her great. She was bit. also the like the only woman in the whole episode. Aside from the woman that got to watch the people later on, she had some good two. commentary. I liked her. Yes. But otherwise, it was all dudes in this whole yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, Clarence. <laughs> Clarence Carnes claimed that he received a postcard from the escapees that contained a prearranged code word that confirmed their success. Do we? No, I don't buy it. Do we buy it? No. no. I'm you know good. why? Because I sent him that postcard. <laughs> or because I, too, am in from the future, but I still think it's somehow connected to Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, lots of films have drawn inspiration yeah. from this story. And it's, I mean, it's a good story, but I think it's just that. A it's story. just a yeah. story. Clarence believed that the inmates received help on the outside from an inmate named Ellsworth Bumpy Johnson. Clarence claimed that Bumpy arranged for a boat to go out and pick up the men, but no one knows if that was true or not. I would be... If I had a cool name like Ellsworth, I would not want people calling me Bumpy. (laughs) Just the weirdest nickname ever. Bumpy in the night. Bumpy and creepy hanging out. Yeah, Bumpy and creepy. (laughs) Terrible nicknames. I mean, honestly, if there is one way that these guys made it, it would have been if they got picked up. I don't believe that they swam across. I don't believe that they could have survived in that water. Because swimming... You would have to train for it, and they so couldn't. You have to train, and you also have to have nothing. Like, you wouldn't even bring the photos or anything right. to you. So the fact that you have an oar and you have a raft, it means you're either going one way or the other. Yeah, they weren't trying to swim for it. They were trying to, to raft, raft out it. there, and the raft broke up. So yeah. anyway, our, the last part of this episode is the Unsolved Mysteries investigation. This is the Mythbusters-style yes. <laughs> reality show, our Little watch get, this happen. There's a blimp. Robert a Stack has an earpiece. Yeah, he yeah. has an earpiece. He looks like, oh, uh, he's going to like... We have correspondence for this shit. Yeah, because Robert Stack was like, I'm not going by that freezing cold water that yeah. you claim doesn't have sharks in it. No thanks. <laughs> so authorities believe that the men used an issue of Sports Illustrated that contained an article in a makeshift flotation device to model because their homemade raft. Sports Illustrated it is the tool of not the devil, but something evil. Yeah, it is. <laughs> So, Unsolved Mysteries used that article to create a similar raft out of raincoats and asked experienced kayakers to test it. Um, this woman, who was like a, a famous swimmer at the time, I don't remember why they brought her in, other than she made a good host. She was, yeah. yeah. She called Robert Stack Bob, though, and I was like, that's so weird. <laughs> it was really weird. That's Check kind of, yourself. That's kind of Back to you, Bob. I, I don't like calling him Bob, but I like the move of like, oh, hey, Bob. 
Yeah. They were apparently we're know, You know he was like, I don't like that. Don't call me Bob Susan. No, no he's one of those where you know he's, I don't like that. I'm not going to bring it up, but I don't like that. <laughs> Maybe that's why he would, like, wouldn't go down to the shore. Yeah, over to she's you, over Bob. there talking to, calling me Bob. Oh, my God. Anyway, so she interviews the kayakers before they take off. They claim that the only thing they can't accurately duplicate is the time of day. However, one of the kayakers then tells us that it's to their advantage because they can see what they're doing. And also, sure. we have already been told that at night there were powerful there was a powerful receding tide. So, so it's, it's not really the same. Not really the same. Because it's... they're like, we can avoid, um, what was it? The leg-breaking rocks and oh, the yeah. swirling eddies. Yes. <laughs> so clearly. You can actually see. So that's helpful. See, yeah. It's not a one-to-one the comparison. Ti- and the tide's different. And I do believe this was referred to um, when Mythbusters later on does theirs as well. Because at the time, they weren't hugely... They, they did the same like format, like same shape of the boat, and the same like design. And everything except for the adhesive, so that's why Mythbusters had to do their version because they didn't have the exact oh. thing parameters for even making the boat. I was gonna go back and try and watch the Mythbusters episode, but they took Mythbusters Buster, Mythbusters off of Netflix, and I thanks yeah. for nothing. Didn't know where to find it. I looked on YouTube; they didn't have that episode up, so I, I didn't rewatch it. But I seem to remember that the Mythbusters were successful, weren't they? They what, were successful, but it was a pain, and I believe only one of them. I believe only Adam Savage is the one that did it, and he couldn't. Totally. Like, he's like, I, I could do it if you had to. But, but maybe within a time like... constraint, like, because he did the raft style. He went on the boat and did it the whole way. He's like, this took me a couple hours, and I'm pretty fit. If these are dudes that did not have, like, physical activity time to, like, work out or do anything. Yeah, they were spending suddenly... nine months crafting. They weren't work. <laughs> they weren't pumping iron. Well, they were getting some muscle movement going on, but not enough, like, growing and don't, yeah. Collecting the hair. Collecting the hair. Well, they're also that motion of chiseling and moving That's true. Yeah, that's, but that's also. True. Yeah, but they weren't training for this. And no. Yeah. And that's the thing that makes me really think they couldn't have made it. No. So this was quite the production. There was a blimp. They had multiple boats, paramedics standing by. They had earpieces. And I wrote down, Dave is in a Speedo. Yeah, nice Speedo, dude. Also, the aqua socks, the neon oh, yeah. shoey things he had on so he could step on the rock. I yeah. kind of think he should have worn a wetsuit, but okay. Yeah, he wore a Speedo. <laughs> also, and I don't want to be mean about this, but... Dad bod. Yeah! <laughs> you knew exactly what I was going to say. I'm like, this guy's a marathon swimmer? He has a beer belly. I don't understand. People are always Marathon? telling me that swimming is a great way to work out, and now I don't believe it at all. Well, he, <laughs> it gave me hope. I'm like, if Dad Bod can make it across the San Francisco Bay, I can probably he tra- do He trains and does that all the time. He I've, finds freezing cold waters to swim in oh, as yeah, his they hobby. They found a fucking marathon swimmer to recreate these average Joe prisoners, but... I think we're also used to, like, Michael Phelps-style swimmers. (laughs) Fitness has changed a lot in the past couple decades. Yeah, obviously, because we just learned what jogging was in the 70s. Right. (laughs) Well, women weren't even allowed to run marathons until the 70s because they thought... Their uterus would fall out. Would fall Uh, out! Oh, they also thought... No, most things. Trains, bikes. A lot of reasons was pretty much because, oh, your uterus will fall out. Can you imagine if your uterus actually fell out? People that were like, <laughs> first of all, they had 
never happened once. <laughs> never, ever, ever. Women were like out on the frontier, like doing yeah. hard labor. Their uterus no ever fucking fell out. Their uteruses stayed where they belonged. And I was like, oh, but we can't have you run, sweetie. Like, what? Can't run. These can't were doctors. These were medical professionals. Yeah. It hurts my brain so bad. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll, I'll give you a list of more things that you couldn't do because, you know, uterus fall out or you go insane. Well, yeah. As a woman, because you can't handle, this, handle the it's stress. It's only slightly better now. That's true. And, yeah. but it's a... Actually, I don't want to run ever, even if someone is chasing me to murder me. So maybe I should just use that excuse. Like, I can't. I can't run. My uterus will fall out. My uterus will fall out. Unless I'm late for a bus, I'm not running anywhere. (laughs) So so Dave wears an underwater microphone. Dave takes off and makes good progress. The rafters, on the other hand, make almost no progress. They slowly kick around the rocks like small children on floaties, is what I wrote down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pretty much, but it's also three people who are trained that are re- actually rather good at it. Were, yeah, and they could, like, barely get anywhere. They honestly remind you. Did either one of you take swim lessons where you had those, like, yes. red, flat, floaty things that you the would hold on to? Yeah, yes, kickboard, kickboard. And then you would kick across the pool? Yes. That's literally what, what this looked like. Yeah. It was not like a raft, like, they were sitting on it and dry. Like, yeah, they were all holding on to it and kind of doggy, Lean, doggy paddling. Pedal. Just slowly around slowly Alcatraz. Around Alcatraz stuck <laughs> in a current. Well, this helps prove for me, like, for people you can fit them on the raft. If they're doing it that way where it's kitty paddle kind of style, someone's going to quit yeah. pretty much soon after that. And then you're going to piss off and you're going to have a fight. And That's then how Frank either, Morris drowned. He's like, yeah. peace out. I'm not doing this. Or you're like, you're not doing your job, Frank Morris. Get Kick off harder. Kicked off. Yeah. Kicked off, uh-huh. get a fight, and then hypothermia he's like, from one of them. You see this bag of your cherished family mementos? Get Ugh. it! You just like <laughs> throw it into the ocean. Useless to us now. Yeah. So at this point in the investigation, like they just had to fill time because I think I think it maybe it was live. Like yeah, it, it looked because the, at least the intro and part of it. I don't know if it was like split up of two episodes put together because there's such good reenactments that were like yeah. a whole thing, plus probably like an hour. That was just yeah. like why we got condensed version cut of the, yeah, he's still swimming. There's still, still swimming. He's still swimming. Yeah, so they followed the swimmer in a boat, and the the woman who I think was some sort of famous swimmer gave, gave us a bunch of commentary. She did a good job, considering she just had to fill a bunch of dead air. I thought she, yeah. she talked about her theories about whether or not they escaped or not. And then Robert Stack interviews a marine biologist to ask if there were sharks in the bay. It was really stupid and clearly just meant to take up some time. The guy was like, no, there's not sharks. You're going <laughs> to gonna die of hypothermia before a shark eats you. You could tell this guy was just over. Over it. He's like, why did you bring me out here you to tell you this? You also know something he's been asked tons of times. Oh, yeah. Because it's, yeah. Like, it's not like they're not from there. It's just like, it wouldn't be out of the ocean. Why would they come it's into like, why the would, bay? Yeah, they'd be in the ocean where they belong, Robert Stack. No, there's not sharks. But yeah, they spend like five minutes talking about that. It's not feeling the love of Robert Stack. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. So then they tell us about some more escape attempts. I didn't take notes about these because this is a two-hour episode and I was just getting tired. I mean, I'm really impressed with the notes that you took. So thank you for doing all that work because... But, so they talked about a bunch of other escape attempts that I think were famous. None of them were successful. Some more people drowned. It was, yeah. Some people got shot. I don't know. (laughs) No one made it Yeah. We finally get back to the commentary in the bay. The rafters make a little progress, but then the current and the traffic in the bay, plus seals, I guess, set them back. She said that that was amusing. Yeah, she was <laughs> amused by the seals. The seals are probably coming up being like, what the fuck, guys? Well, it's usually there, but it's also like, 
if this was a live event, people knew what was going on. Well, there was a people t- were coming to actually see you guys do this. This is why oh I think gosh, it's kind of silly that they say that the only thing they can't duplicate was that it was at night. There was like giant barges and boats that were creating wakes. Like this yeah. is nothing like it would have happened yeah. that night. It was dead silent and also. Do you no. think the prisoners hopped on the back of seals? To oh, road to safety? Yes. To get to Angel Island. That's like my new theory. theory. What about Birdman somehow getting birds, convincing them to talk? <laughs> he traded an elk. Communicating with the birds. He traded an actual elk trash to swoop in and pick them up. <gasps> I think we cracked really it. Yeah. We may Take have. that, all you white men that were interested in this. We solved it. <laughs> so the rafters give up. The the They report that they are comfortable in the water, but they can't get anywhere. And then the guy says that their raft is basically falling apart and that I they don't think... <laughs> yeah, they don't think that the convicts would have made it. They said that unlike the prisoners, they're wearing modern clothes and are attempting the journey during the day. So but, a lot of things weren't the same. Yeah. I loved how they just left this guy in the water for this interview. <laughs> like, they couldn't pull him <laughs> out so, of the boat. So, how's it going down there? And he tells him his whole theory about how he doesn't think that these guys oh could have made it. I'm like, let him get out of the water. No, he lives there now. But the swimmer did. So it was interesting to see one of them be like, Oh, yeah, I totally can see how they can make it. Yeah, Dave. Dad, but a dad bod can survive. <laughs> Why can't anyone else? Dave does pretty well. Although he gets a leg cramp, he eventually makes it to the out of the water to applause. Apparently, after a swim like that, he puts on running shoes and goes for a run. Yeah, this guy is my total opposite. <laughs> so he reports that the swim was very cold and that partway Embracing. through... Embracing. His entire leg cramped and went numb, but yet he still thinks that they could have made it. He says there's no question in my mind that they could have made it. The question is how they would have felt afterwards. I'm like, he... Okay, also, marathon swimmer that got a leg cramp. freezing cold water. His mouth is like half frozen... He's not making sense. <laughs> no, yeah, that that was my reaction. I was like, yeah, it's just how they would have felt. If that, what? No. Yeah. They're, dude, they're dead. He I'm barely so- made it, and he's a marathon swimmer. So, well, no, he, these people. Here's, here's the answer. I know why he was doing a marathon. He was doing a marathon at that moment. Oh. Because each year, hundreds of athletes, at least back in the day, because this was from um, athletes participate in the Escape from Al- Alcatraz triathlon, proving that with training and proper gear, it is possible to swim from Alcatraz and survive. First held in 1980, includes a one-and-a-half-mile swim from San Francisco, plus an 18-mile bike ride and an eight-mile run. So they pretty much just filmed the guy going to do that. So people do that all the time. People who are trained and trained in shape. To do it. Why yeah. would you want to do that? Okay. I have anyone, no idea. If anyone listening to this has done that, please get in touch. Let us know how it was. And what would possess you to do such a crazy yeah, thing? Yeah, first of all, why did you do that? Also, did you see any seals? Also, do you think that untrained people escaping from Alcatraz that untrained have been people that drinking not- birdseed liquor and yeah. working on craft for nine months? And hanging out with people named Creepy and Bumpy. Yeah. Would yeah. they be able... To escape. I really think, yeah. and I, how many times have I said it on this show that the simplest answer is true? The raft broke up. They got hypothermia and drowned. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't. It's not a glamorous. It's much cooler to think that these clever bank robbers who came up with all these sort of ingenious little tricks, like making fake vents and whatever, that they would be able to escape. And But then they just like went on to normal lives and never committed any crimes again. That's the thing that the kayaker, when they were interviewing him when he was half in the water still, said, <laughs> these were career criminals. You would have yeah. think that they would have committed another crime and got caught or at some point. Or not even that. Like It's kind of like the mystery of who was deep throat for the longest time. But then finally, when the guy was deathbed, he admitted it. As soon as you admit 
It's not that interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. The reason of the story there's is no so way, yeah, prolific. There's no, but, is there's no, but there's also no reason, like, one of the three guys, if they would have survived, even if it was one of them, would have told somebody. Oh, yeah. Some Eventually point. be like, hey, by the way, that was me. A deathbed yeah. confession, for I, sure. I escaped on it by writing a seal. <laughs> we we just hooked some <laughs> seals up to our raft, like and sled dogs. <laughs> yeah. and took us why wouldn't that work, huh? <laughs> Prove to me that's not what they did. This is why we'd never be able to escape from prison. Oh, but we would have a good time sitting in our private room making crafts and telling stories about possible ways we could escape and then never doing it. If that's how yeah. prison was, if we could just hang out with our friends in a private room and do crafts. And make a podcast? Um, prison cast? That's pretty much what we do we anyway. Do so that already? Yeah. <laughs> we might as well do it We might prison. as well do it in prison where there's no rent and we get free food. Yeah. It doesn't sound that bad. But that's not what prison's like. No, that's not what prison's like at all. <laughs> Unfortunately. So that's the episode. Do you? So our, I think it's, is it safe to say that our theory is that they seals. So Liz, is, Liz <laughs> thinks they escaped via seals. I think they drowned. Rochelle, what's your hot take? I have a hot take now. On this? Okay, yeah. Um, we brought you on the hot show take. to have a hot take, Rochelle. Aside from pelicans, or uh, the only way they could have made it and survived is if they had arrived. If they yeah. would have had, if they would have had an if outside Bumpy connection, came through. and somebody actually did something, did that happen? Very unlikely because they made a life draft. They're not. You wouldn't. Yeah. Right. Why couldn't the if they were going to get a boat? Why couldn't the boat just come to Alcatraz? You're still right. going to have to be on the rocks, and they still aren't looking for you out there. So that's just an extra step you wouldn't need to take. Right. So obviously, Bumpy didn't, you know, come. provide that service. So that's a good point. Yeah. If they weren't in there and they had no water and they were able to, like, row, that's fine. But they found one of the two oars that they had. They a dead. They found a dead body. They, they essentially yeah. found a dead body. And they're fucking dead, you guys. Yeah. They just... They're... I don't really think they rode seals. <laughs> I'm what? Sure. I uh... thought you did for sure. <laughs> they didn't go yeah. down to the underwater world with, little, like, Ariel and the Little Mermaid? I mean, that's a nice idea. <laughs> Yeah. That's our, wrong. Our no, and everyone likes an outlaw, so you want them like, oh, they kind of stick. To but you mean if these survive. guys are just bank robbers? I mean, yeah, victimless yeah. crime. It is. Like, I mean, it's a good story, and you could see how people want to believe. It's just like DB Cooper; they want to believe that he survived. This is very or similar to the, the boring DB Cooper story. <laughs> no, yeah, similar, but I like. Yeah, I do it, Jack the Ripper, because there's pretty much you can pick whatever you want to happen. Because no one's ever gonna know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Choose your own adventure. Well, if uh, Egghead McWhatever, dude. <laughs> Egghead McWhatever. That's his name. I'm good with the names. Don. Um, Don But Denise. he can basically twist whatever you're telling him. To, no, no, but this is what I think it is. That's true. He's, sure. Yeah, it's, it's you're, evidence you're no matter what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that they didn't find a body is evidence they escaped, and the fact that they... They did we, find one. We never yeah. found them again is evidence, you or, know. Or, yeah. the evi- like, the pictures in the money order check that... They put it out there intentionally, or maybe they forgot it. Yeah, you're telling me all the different ways that could happen, but doesn't that prove doesn't anything. prove anything either yeah, way. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, should we rate this episode? I mean, I think it's pretty clear what I'm going to say, but yes, let's rate it. So, our categories that we can give either a thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs sideways start with mysteriousness. How mysterious I, do you I think guess it is? Kind. Of, I don't care. <laughs> Yeah. But I guess it is kind of mysterious because we don't know. That's true. Even with yeah, their the Mythbusters segment, we don't really know what happened. So I guess thumbs up. Do you give it a thumbs up for mysterious? Or just sideways? I'm sideways. Because, yes, 
it is a, there isn't an answer, but 90% sure they're dead. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel. I kind of yeah. feel like, yes, we never, you know, there is a, still an air of mystery about it, but also when you get right down to it, it seems like they most likely died. So I'm kind of like a, a thumb sideways, kind of a shaky thumb sideways. Right. I also don't like that this episode is only one mystery. So that cuts into the mysteriousness of it. That's true. Yeah, because they're playing for time. So obviously there's some stuff where you're like, yeah. all right. Yeah. Cool. So, okay, sideways. I agree. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about the reenactments, but they were really good. They were quality. Legit. They clearly put a lot of effort into this episode. It was a special episode. Well, clearly. We were exchanging some messages with Josh from the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast, and he mentioned that this is one of his favorite episodes. And I can see why you would really enjoy it, especially if you're a connoisseur of Unsolved Mysteries, because it has a high production value. Yeah. They put a lot, I mean, the, they were, the scenes were shot at Alcatraz. Like, yeah, it was the, pretty impressive. Live recordings of stuff. Right. Like, probably on prime time. He was second. shocked that we didn't want to do this one. Uh, yeah, I don't think he really understood that we just don't like the mystery itself. But the episode, I give it credit for being pretty good. Yeah. Like, the, the opening shot is from above. Like, just yeah. kind of Crane slowly shot, circling yeah. Alcatraz. Like, that's yeah. pretty cool. And, yeah, the actors they got were good. They weren't, like, cheesy reenactments that we're no, used to. So. No, I'm giving a, a thumbs up for reenactments. I agree. The, yeah, thumbs up. Thumbs up. That, that part's, part's good. good. Fashion? I don't... I There's really nothing. Really just it's get Diane's turtleneck is pretty much the only. Yeah, it's kind of a nothing burger because yeah. it's all just guys. No, in suits. that's a thumbs down. I, I, Diane is wearing. Uh, she was the female correspondent. Was wearing this leather jacket that was like exactly like one my mom had. And <laughs> I loved her spiky hair. Yeah, that was yes. pretty good. That's the only saving grace, but everything else. It's just boring. Yeah, it was pretty boring. So, thumbs down. So I'm a thumbs down for that. But I think I might be a thumbs up on Robert's Stacks. Oh, outfits. definitely. Yes. He looked sharp. Because, yeah, he had some good And was looks enjoying himself out at Alcatraz. He was. He, like, couldn't keep the smile off his face. This yeah. is such an old guy mystery. Well, yeah. it is because the Man of Alcatraz had Burt Lancaster. Then there's Escape from Alcatraz, which I believe has... Clint Eastwood in it. Oh, yeah. So yeah. there's this whole mythos. And then if you don't even go by that, you have Shawshank Redemption that has, like, later on, like, for people that watch the reruns, and then The Rock from the 90s. Dudes are kind of raised to like a prison movie. Oh, for sure. So I think having a prison mystery that actually has some hijinks and some, like, crafting, you know, more for us, <laughs> but crafting and some other stuff. It has that makes ingenuity. Kind of yeah. Has, yeah. Yeah. Has the caper stuff you see in an action movie actually happen. Right. Makes them excited. But if you're like... But for us, we're like, died. who cares? <laughs> we couldn't give a shit, but like all the dudes love this shit. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, cool for them. We love stuff dudes don't like, I guess, but <laughs> I found it a little bit boring. So yeah, thumbs up for Robert Stacks. Pretty boring. Five. Okay. So out of a possible five Robert Stacks, Rochelle, do you want to, do you want to give us your take on what you think the rating for this episode should be? I passed it off to you because I'm finding it difficult. Because while the episode is good, I hate Alcatraz. I would say a three. Three it's out of five good. Robert Stacks? I, I really hate Alcatraz. <laughs> like, like, like I, I'm interested in reading it. I'm like, this is cool. But I'm like, I still don't care. We can't make ourselves like it. Um, And it's not it's not even so much the story. Like, I can find, like, you know, trying to tie pop culture reasons into it. Stuff that happened before. No. Birdseed liquor. Syphilis. Carpus, madness. Like, yeah. like, Nothing can save it. Yeah, like even like oh, well, the, bad, well, the worst or the worst were there. Yeah, and they're just of. sitting there like twenty three hours a day, hanging out in their cots, or, waiting for or life to playing the guitar for by. one hour. Yeah, I, I'm uh, with that, you. I think on the three out of five Robert Stacks. What do you think, Liz? One. 
because we've been dreading this the whole time. And when I was sitting here watching it and they said, in this 90-minute special, I audibly groaned yes. to no one because it's so long. I about two, but... Three just because of the reenactments, and you can tell it's they actually well put made, but it feels like hours. Mm. It was a little bit rough to get through, I'll admit. But I I, I'm not rating it that low. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't handle an hour. <laughs> I couldn't watch an hour of television. <laughs> I'm definitely giving it a one, despite the quality reenactments, despite all of their effort. Are you, are you saying that without the quality reenactments, it'd be a zero? Somehow. Could we do negative Robert Stacks? It's just, I <laughs> no, don't, don't like this Robert episode Stacks at all. I don't, I never want to watch it again. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I never was, gonna, I'm never gonna watch it I again. I hated that we even had to do it. Here's this. I don't mind the topic. Um, I tried to download a couple uh, books about Alcatraz, and it was basically here's a series of fiction stuff. Here's one from somebody that got born again Christian after <laughs> Alcatraz. But there is also um, if you go to like the national park uh, website there is a pdf you can download that has the whole history of alcatraz island plus the prison and escape from way back in the day from the 1800s well you can find out like a dude like bought the island before california was california then thought he was going to make some money off of it because it's a cool island and then found out stuff happened uh, get, then got white guy got that stolen from the U.S. government. Oh, so it was kind of reverse of how what usually stuff happens. <laughs> so that was kind of fun, but um, I did not read it because when I opened the PDF file, it was six hundred pages. So if you are really interested in the Alcatraz, you can read that. Okay, yeah. we can link that on Facebook. That's and, a good idea. That sounds like yeah. a good resource. I just looked at Wikipedia, and even that, I only like looked at two paragraphs. I could not even be bothered. I looked at the 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 PDF file, and it was eight pages of just like the notes of like the main points. I'm like, I'm bored at this point. So <laughs> and I really skimmed it. Yeah, so we can finally put the Alcatraz situation to bed. Oh, that yeah. is a. It just feels like a weight has been lifted yes. off my shoulders. I feel so happy about going forward and the other mysteries that we can talk about. Yes. And that Let's we get back to murders. <laughs> we don't have to talk about this anymore. What about, what about treasure? What about treasure? No treasure. <laughs> what about, Samantha, think of all the treasure you have to look Never forward to. Never treasure. And so many lost loves and romances. I don't, I don't mind a lost love. I hate treasure. Would I rather watch this episode or another one on treasure? What I think I'd rather watch Treasure. What if it was 90 minutes of Treasure, though? Oh, it was my like God, no. a whole I episode of I would refuse treasure. to do it. If it's one of like, the heavy hitters of like true crime stuff, I might be willing to. But like, yeah, if it's like They did like a special case. treasure where they were like, okay, we're going to go into the desert and try to find it. No. And like Robert Stack was like digging with a pickaxe. <laughs> we were vaguely like the same age range. Do you remember like the late nineties, early two thousands? They would have those hour specials of like we're gonna go to Egypt and like yes. dig oh, stuff yeah. up. And you're like the first time like this is awesome, and like the eighth time you're like, why is this on TV? No one cares anymore. <laughs> like, Nothing ever happened. Or did you watch when? Um, Geraldo revealed Al Capone's vault and there was nothing? nothing in it. <laughs> they, like, they fucking milked that for so long. Like, we're going to open Al Capone's vault and no one's been in there and blah, 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 blah. That, that and it was, had to have been before this. So this maybe, maybe the Alcatraz thing was riding that wave of people wanting to figure that, that actually, out. Actually, that house or that vault is that had nothing as in Max Town. Hmm. 
But yeah, it's just like a fucking house. They spent a lot of time in this episode talking Mm. about Al Capone, so it's possible they're riding that wave of hype. I don't know. But we're done with Alcatraz. Yay! (laughs) The last segment we do is recommendations. Rochelle, did you bring a recommendation for our listeners? I brought a recommendation of giving you guys a gift for... Ooh, that's exciting. I like that we made you talk about a subject you hate and we get gifts. Yeah, well, one of you can open this. Liz okay, both of you. It. It's the same thing, but okay. I'll I'll open. Woo! We made you come on our podcast to talk about something we hate and you also hate, and you bring us a gift. This is um, how yes. it should be. <laughs> Future guests, take notes. Just give gifts. You must bring an offering. You must bring yes. an offering. Oh my god! What is it? They're is sweet that? Robert Stack magnets. It's a ma- oh. Hell yeah. It's just him staring at you with the intensity God. of a thousand suns. To remind you, if you're not thinking about Unsolved Mysteries <laughs> when you're at in your kitchen, you should be. Oh my God, and he's wearing the trench coat. This is a yes. serious stare. Yes. Holy shit. He's, he's looking into my soul. He, he has lasers for eyes. This, but you can also see from his his outfit that um, Scruff the Crime Dog stole his shit. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. This totally. is a Mick Ruff look for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Rochelle. I this love awesome. this. This is awesome. Thank you. He is going to be holding up all my grocery lists on my, <laughs> on my fridge. What is Samantha going to buy at the store? The real mystery. <laughs> no, you should also add, just randomly add, like, aliens. Like, why? It's awesome. It's a mystery. Is here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, thank so, you, Rochelle. Rochelle's recommendation is everyone gets a sweet... Robert Stack magnet. Or listen to podcasts and stuff you like. So, like, perhaps it's you, Dollop, True Crime stuff, whatever you like. Besides this podcast, which we know is your favorite, what are some (laughs) of your other favorite podcasts? Um, You mentioned The Dollop. The Dollop. We kind of all bonded bonded originally or found each other from liking a True Crime podcast before uh, My Favorite Murder. For the history buffs out there, what do you recommend? The Dollop, which most people kind of know a little... It's probably one of the bigger ones out there. Oh, yeah, they're hilarious. I love Um, them. Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds kind of play off each other. One person knows something, the other person reacts. Oh, my gosh, it's awesome. Uh, There's also another one called Time Suck with uh, Dan Cummins, who's a comedian as well. And he does the research himself, does the podcast himself, but he's also a comedian, so he kind of... Makes it funny. Makes it funny, and I don't agree with everything he says, but he's really nice. He's one of those people... Does he have an episode about Alcatraz? Probably. <laughs> no, but he will. He will. He, he, he's, he's early days. He's like less than two years, so it's still okay. Okay, not cool. There's not a thousand episodes like the dollop. Yeah, I'm no. just. I just kind of decided I'm never gonna get through his, all their his episodes. His is more like picks a topic, goes in on it pretty good, and then instead of like let's find the wacky story, which is kind of what they do a little bit. Yeah. And his one thing is, he's one of the few people that I don't agree with everything he says, but I don't mind that like he's open enough he's like this is my opinion you have yours so yeah whatever as it should be for you know a white dude originally from idaho where kind of have you have different life experiences you're like okay fair enough but yes though we know everyone agrees with everything we say on this podcast Uh, always 100 (laughs) of the time perhaps it's you you don't know (laughs) hell yeah um well thanks for that rochelle thanks rochelle okay cool thanks for those recommendations (laughs) thanks for coming on to talk about a subject you're not at all interested in either (laughs) well we were here yesterday so yeah it It just made us do it because otherwise it's true we're gonna do it we We would have just skipped it it. (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's but be then real. people would ask you about it, then you're like, it would become a thing, and then you'd have to actually I, do I it. feel honestly, like, relieved that it's over. <laughs> Same. It's like if you have to go to the DMV or something, like, you have a chore that you keep putting off, and then when you finally do it, you're like, oh, thank God. So you recommend to actually do podcasts like that? Yeah, I guess, you know... If, get get shit over with. You got to do. <laughs> got to go to the eye doctor. Just quit putting it, it off. Fucking it do done. it. Yeah. yeah, that's true. No, my real recommendation. I was going to say, if people need something to watch on the old Netflix, because it's winter and you're hibernating and you don't want to leave your house, I just finished watching Shetland and really enjoyed it. Mm, okay, it is like a straight up mystery show from Scotland. I really appreciate that there is not like a gimmick to it. He doesn't have psychic abilities, you know. He doesn't like use the help of a dog. He's not in any way related to Sherlock Holmes. No, <laughs> he's not using the power of numbers. It's just, uh, <laughs> dude, it's not using. Bones. Oh my god, that yeah. show numbers <laughs> was Which so takes, ridiculous. Megan, our resident librarian, talks about the show Numbers by saying they took something I like, murder, and they ruined it with something I hate, math. <laughs> It's so true. I could never, ever get into numbers. Oh, but anyway, yeah, no. Shetland is just detective solves murders in Shetland. And so with Scottish accents. With Yay. Scottish accents. The acting is very good. It's very well shot. But it's just like mysteries. And it really hit the spot for me. I'm sad I don't have any more to watch. The stories are good. There's like good twists and whatever. It makes me slightly concerned about the crime rate of the Shetlands. I don't <laughs> think I'm that's what's so funny about a lot of those. I mean, I love all the the mystery shows from the UK usually. But after a while you're like like one show makes sense. Yeah. But then after a while you're like, wow, the crime rate in this cute little rural town is out of control. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. I love the show Wire in the Blood. Um, which takes place on this fictional town of Bradfield. But apparently Bradfield has, like, a serial killer a week. What? So don't go there. Yikes. <laughs> because six people die for any crime to get solved. So, so there's a, a string terrifying. of murders for everything? Yes. Everything is a string of murders because that show is a cop and a psychologist, and he only figures things out from, like, the patterns so, yeah, basically, like, six people have to die for him to solve any case. <laughs> so you're like, oh, good thing Brad feels fictional because it, the crime there is out of control. And I once saw a, like, online comment when I was, like, trying to for it, find more information on the show. Someone was like, I just got transferred from my job to England. Is the crime really this bad? <laughs> and you, I wanted to be like, yes. <laughs> a serial killer will definitely, like kill you and hang you up dramatically in a church. Yeah, like, Jack the Ripper was just the beginning. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> That's to wait till you. you get to Bradfield. Anyway. Uh, it has a tiny bit of that issue where you're like, I don't think this many murders happen here. But aside from that, I think it's a great show. Enjoy. Nice. Yeah. Well, I have two Instagram accounts to recommend. Ooh. The first one is an up-and-coming Unsolved Mysteries Instagram <gasps> account that I discovered by accident. And accident, it is called quote unquote. It is called Unsolved Ensembles. It's Unsolved E N S E M B L E S. And it is a, an account that seriously critiques fashion on Unsolved <laughs> Mysteries. I have one in particular. Why didn't we start this? I have no idea. But here's a post about Robert Stack. And it has a picture of Robert Stack in a, like a grassy field. Oh, that's and it a says, lot. No one walks across a field quite like Robert Stack. <laughs> I. 
I think this look is a bit of a miss for him, though. The tie is too long, and a blazer would have been a better choice than the windbreaker, question mark? Let me see the picture I'm to see about, if I agree. The first thing I noticed is his pants. Spot are... on. Though that tie is way too fucking long. Why well, is that yeah. so long? It also says the shirt is well tailored around his neck. However, he looked... And he looks trim in the cle- pleated khakis, though. Which yeah, is all the true. khakis are also damn near up to his ribs. Well, it's a little high-waisted, which maybe explains why that's, the tie looks so long. I mean, so I think long. that's kind of just the time. He, Yeah, he always wears pretty high-waisted pants. But yeah, this is a pretty good Instagram account. I'm so around. jealous that we didn't start this. But. I know. They need some some more followers. I just, I really enjoyed their Instagram. Everyone, go follow us immediately. This, They're doing God's work. They really are. Um, the other Instagram account that I wanted to recommend is one that just brings me joy, and it's called Straight Up Cat Leg. <laughs> and it's an Instagram account that shows nothing but pictures of cats with their legs in the air. And I just... This I've is, heard you are, mention this several times, actually. It clearly brings you a lot of joy. These are, listen, these are trying times. Sometimes I just log on to Instagram, and I just scroll through pictures of cats with sticking their legs up in the air. I and mean... It's, I'm watching videos of capybaras just sitting in hot tubs. We so all I need get to find those, those pure things in life that are just pure good, and you can just immerse yourself in it for a little while to forget the horrible state of the world. And straight up cat leg is one that I think <laughs> our listeners would really enjoy. So go follow Love these it. two Instagram accounts. Wonderful. You can also follow Rochelle on Instagram. Oh. Rochelle has a pretty good Instagram. You do a good job on Instagram. I struggle a little bit with my personal account because I just feel like I'm not cool enough to like post anything of interest, but I always enjoy the things you post. I post pictures of stuff and things. Yay! What is your handle, Rochelle? Oh, I have to remember my stuff? Oh, crap. It's like, it's your name. I have it on our Instagram yeah, Rochelle, account. I, think I posted else. about you giving me Jan- Jazzloon as a gift, so you can oh. go to that post and find the link to Rochelle's Jazz Instagram Moon. if you'd Jazz like to follow Moon. her. Yeah, I, I do stuff and things sometimes. That's true, yeah. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Perhaps It's You. If you would like to email us a ghost story or that Your time experience you were... At Alcatraz. Yeah, that time you were in a weird Alcatraz triathlon for some fucking reason. No, when you were raised on the island and your parents were Yes. <laughs> if you saw a ghost on Alcatraz, you need to email us twice because that story is so awesome. That's... Perhaps it's you podcast no. at gmail.com. What about if you found a magical rock? <gasps> at Alcatraz? Then you should yeah. send it to us. Yeah. No, no, no. One. That might change my whole theory. What if they found the magical rock? At Alcatraz? And that's how they were able to escape because it changed their fortune for the better. <laughs> it was one of the rocks at the, at the, at the beach. Yeah, they, that's how they got the seals to c- hear their call. It's like, <laughs> okay. I will find a way to make this <laughs> <laughs> so yes perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com you can support the show at patreon.com slash perhaps it's you and it's fun yeah we need some podcast so we can build a capybara ranch and i need a sweet 80 sports car we got plans so <laughs> the, the money needs to start rolling in yeah. <laughs> we'll have rochelle on again to talk about something she actually enjoys it yeah. was fun well, having you here yeah thanks rochelle yeah, I I do think I might have helped the swear words go up like 200%. But yes, aside from that. I'll, we don't have any complaints yet about the swearing, okay. so we're good. Yeah. Okay. I think we have some room to swear more. Yeah. Which is great, because I've been holding back. <laughs> Liz has been holding back. I don't fucking hold back at all. <laughs> That's all, all we right, have for okay. you folks. Bye, five listeners. Bye. Thanks Bye. For being